Hello, and welcome to the Development Debrief with Catherine Van Zippel, the stories-based podcast that interviews professionals, donors, and thought leaders in the field of fundraising. I can't believe this episode will wrap up two years of the Development Debrief. I talk with Stephanie Posen about how she has recruited, trained, and grown a team of frontline officers doing leadership gift work. She tells us how she's worked with her team to build a great culture in a remote environment. Stephanie Posen is the Director of Leadership Giving at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Stephanie manages the mid-level giving program, which includes donors and prospects giving $1,000 to $250,000. The leadership giving team serves as a pipeline for the rest of the department, both for revenue and donors, as well as developing talent and strong gift officers. Stephanie's professional career has been focused on education and academic medicine, with prior experience working at New York University and Weill Cornell Medicine. In previous roles, Stephanie has worked in international major gifts, leadership annual giving, and campaign events. Stephanie holds a Master of Business Administration from NYU's Stern School of Business and a Bachelor of Arts from Cornell University in History and French Literature. Before we get started, let's hear about an exciting opportunity at Boston University. Do you want to join a truly collaborative and skilled development and alumni relations team? Would you like to make an impact at one of the nation's top research universities? My name is Amy Bronson, Associate Vice President for Advancement Resources and Strategic Talent Management at Boston University, and I want to invite you to join our team. We are recruiting for a number of positions. Today, I want to highlight our search for the next Director of Major Gifts for the West Coast Region. This director will lead West Coast fundraising strategy and advance BU's relationships with alumni and friends in the region. If you are an entrepreneurial leader in major gift fundraising and want to join an innovative and diverse team, this could be the next step in your career. I'm really excited to partner with executive search firm Talent Citizen on this recruitment, and I invite you to apply by visiting Talent Citizen's website at talentcitizen.com today and consider joining me and the amazing team in development and alumni relations at Boston University. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the debrief. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. So I just have to, I just have to share this with the group. You went to the West Coast during the pandemic. It was one of those, um, I can't believe that I'm doing this, but then I'm glad that I did it kind of uh, <laughs> experiences. But our offices, as long as we had a laptop and as long as we had internet connection, we really could work from anywhere. And so it was an opportunity to to do something different. And now I'm back. And so it it is a different um, energy to be back in New York right in the winter, right as everything is getting chilly. But it's really nice to be home um, and also really has cemented my connection to working in New York and to advocating for MSK as an institution, especially after this pandemic, working in the healthcare sector has been really meaningful. <laughs> I have been in my role at Memorial Sloan Kettering since 2017. So a good handful of years. And prior to that role, I was an individual contributor. I was a fundraiser. I felt that that is that allowed me to really shine into doing the work that I really enjoyed doing. And even in the beginning of my career, I knew that 
I needed to master the skills of being a fundraiser, but I knew that I could have greater impact if I wasn't only in charge and control of managing my own portfolio. And so I was interested in pursuing a role that would allow me to do both. I maintain a portfolio right now, as well as mentor, manage, guide a, a program um, and a team, which really has been challenging and satisfying in, um, in different days is a equal or not equal measure, <laughs> the challenging versus the satisfying part. But I found that, and I still continue to find that managing, I'm able to not only bring in the dollars that I've solicited and talk to the donors that I individually can, can manage, but there is that exponential impact of not only are we talking to more donors, we're bringing in more dollars because right. of that cumulative effect, but something that is really valuable and satisfying to me is also introduce newer professionals into the world of being gift officers. So this is, you're calling it leadership gifts. Is that annual mm -hmm. giving or major giving? So good, really good question. And I'm really happy to have a platform to explain that and talk that through. Uh, I'm pr really proud of the team that even um, in 2017, we really were maxing out with gifts of 25,000. And now we're working with gifts of 250,000. So I think that, um, and we'll talk about some of these other themes later, but having gift officers who are comfortable with their portfolios and in their roles for longer, I don't necessarily want to put an exact time measure on that, but working with the portfolio, getting to know the donors, getting to build real relationships and to develop that technical term, fundraiser instinct of knowing who might actually have greater capacity to do more than just an annual gift, even if it's a leadership annual gift, and making a true leadership gift, six figures or a, a multi-year pledge that can actually get up to seven figures. That's really cool to see for gift officers who two years ago were really only working in the $5,000, $25,000 space. Well, what it sounds like to me is you're really doing pipeline building. Yeah, exactly right. It's a vortex for most institutions, by the way. Yep. <laughs> yeah. In its best case, it's pipeline building. In its realistic case, it's also solidifying that regular support. And really make those donors feel good at that level. Absolutely. Well, you've mentioned a couple of times you've talked about working with newer professionals. And so what I'm taking from that is people who've been in the development field just a couple of years. Is that the way you think of it? Yeah, I would say that that's right. I would probably um, either even further define it in terms of coming into development as a first step, maybe not even a gift officer. And then those who have perhaps been in development or have been at alumni relations or other kinds of advancement offices, but haven't done frontline fundraising. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I think about and what I'm prepared to talk about is the first moment where gift officers have the freedom to go on their own. I get to learn how do people choose this as a career and always asking that kind of a question of what influenced you to make this choice. Have you found any themes? I think that 
interest in personal relationships is, is a universal theme. I would say that also is probably why I was interested in management because I'm interested not only in the donors, but also in the individuals and the team members that come together and have this, this, these shared values in terms of fundraising for an organization. So that I would say is a theme. And I would say that there are people who are driven. They want to see something happen. And that is a quality that I definitely look for that we want to hire ambassadors because as much as you can say nine to five is my job, that's when I log in, that's when I wear my badge. There is so much of, of a fundraiser personality, let's say, that, that you take with you outside of your day job because when you talk about where you work, you're conveying the brand, you're advocating, you're talking about the importance of the institution. And so people who speak passionately about the organization and are interested in whatever the, the programs might be. So in my case, healthcare, but I had worked in higher ed, worked in medical education. There's a little bit of nerdiness that I think is a good thing to say, I'm not the expert on all of this, but I can learn it and I'm curious by it. And what could we do if we even had more money? You must be experiencing a lot of firsts with your teammates, whether it's the first five-figure gift, first six-figure gift. What, how are you celebrating those wins with your teammates? That's a really great question. I think we're still figuring it out in a digital space. Mm-hmm. My very first job, uh, I was a phoner for the college annual fund. And we had- Great place an, to start. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that that also continues to, to be a theme. We had an easy button that was in the center of the- engineering basement where we did all of our calling and if you got a gift you smack this button that said that was easy which became annoying but it was actually something that the the room would pause and celebrate or cheer or acknowledge or look up from what they were doing and we haven't quite found that parallel in a remote space our office uses Teams, but I imagine Slack and other programs accomplish the same thing of being able to chat informally without sending a formal email. And so we've gotten creative. I think that's one other thing that I enjoy about managing a team is that putting it out there to say to this team, what would be valuable, what would make you feel celebrated that I definitely don't have all the answers. And so crowdsourcing that um, and asking what makes people feel special is something that we're continuing to collect. And what are you finding? Like, is that different for everyone? I think little emojis and little celebration bubbles helps. I think, yeah, we've done a few Zoom meetings that we really don't talk about work um, just to let people be. And then in the dedicated space where we're talking about wins will go around the room and share. I think there is a consciousness that we don't know what our colleagues are doing in any given day in the way that when you sat next to them, you could see if somebody was having a tough conversation because you could effectively see the smoke coming out of the donor's ears, but through the phone, we don't have that as much. And so staying in touch by chat on text 
I think we're figuring out a way to we can connect with one another and share examples about what was something, what was a really great conversation, what was a really hard conversation. One tactic that we've used in different frequencies, depending on how busy the year is, is regular role play. It's a good approach just to refresh doing an elevator pitch. But one of the other things that we do for fun is rotate which of our team members plays the donor and often call out who are the major donor profiles that we can imitate. Sometimes we relive great successes and we allow the gift officer who actually secured the gift to be the narrator trying to really analyze what was done well, what could be done differently, and to allow everyone to, to chime in and have feedback. And you're doing this on Zoom? We have, we've done this on Zoom. We've also done prospect brainstorming. So rather than only having a, a role play, we've come together kind of to vent, to say I'm really stuck. I don't know what to do here. I've used this article, I've used this language and just going around like the Brady Bunch down the screen, what's something that mm -hmm. you're struggling with? What's something that you're struggling with? And it's kind of refreshing just to let somebody else provide ideas. Um, is that a formal regular thing or is that something that you do ad hoc? I'm just, I'm asking because I'm thinking people are probably thinking that this sounds pretty good if they haven't done it. Thank you. It's a good question. It started as a, let's try this once. And there was a positive reception to it. And so I would say we have formalized it. It's not every month. I would say it's every other month. Okay. And of course, encouraged to, if someone, if Catherine gave me a great suggestion, also encouraged me to then let you know how it turned out. Did that work? Did it not yeah. work? And that so it's a so little satisfying. bit of con continuing story time every two months. Mm -hmm. One thing that has also been, what has really been great is we have extended these prospect brainstorms beyond the leadership giving team. So they're not mandated in any way. They're not top down from the department. The leadership giving team has invited our community fundraising team. So it's this peer-to-peer -peer fundraising, different approach, different donors, but sometimes it's nice to share resources or share this as an idea. We've partnered That's with brilliant. fundraising events colleagues too, to say some of our donors give outright, but some of them give to events and can we combine a strategy and make it a larger ask rather than two colleagues who inform each other, but really have separate strategies. So we've used these meetings also to get to know each other because new members have joined in the year and a half that we've been remote. And so it is a little bit more organic. We do breakout rooms if there's a lot um, or we stay together as one big group, depending on- a smart on, way to collaborate at a big, at a big yeah. institution. Well, we've talked a little bit about how you train with the group brainstorms and some of the ways that you've worked with people, meeting them where they are, but let's talk more specifics on the training. How do you approach this? I mean, it's, it's sort of daunting to think, you know, I'll just speak from experience. I've been in a lot of settings where people will come in and they know what to do and they can say, here's 150 people go forth. 
-hmm. that's not, does not sound like that's the case here. So how are you, how are you approaching this? So that is always evolving. I must say setting expectations early has been something that has been really helpful in terms of training in that outlining for a gift officer, there will be certain targets and certain measures of what you'll be expected to do. And that just as a framework allows us to break down, how are you gonna get there? So for gift officers, we do want to measure substantive conversations. This is the evolution of the visits. And so what does that even mean? So beginning conversations about qualifications and assessment, and how do you ask those kinds of questions? In, in that category, there are qualification best practice questions that we circulate. And then since the team is relatively large, newer professionals can be paired up with some of our existing officers to get a training refresher or to actually do a role play or to ask certain kinds of these kinds of questions. I would say that our trainings are kind of focused in that way to say, hey, why don't you listen into some of these calls? Love that. The goal of these calls is qualification. So being able to qualify, great. Then there's the, do you have confidence in soliciting? So there's a verbal skill, there's a writing skill. How do you conduct both, you know, how do you build on both of those? How do you conduct a meeting before you even get to an ask? How do you set a briefing? How do you prepare the questions in advance? Are you and those are, that? Because I was never yeah. taught that. So we are, we are not. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that there are moments when you really stick to the, the script and then there are moments when you just get a meeting that day and you don't do all the preparation. But I like to hope that we plan for when you do all your prep work and you lay out all of the objectives of your call and the things that you want to, to get through in terms of the goal of the meeting. So we, we are sharing those kinds of documents, templates of how do you write an introduction email? How do you share, you know, how do you introduce yourself to someone that you've inherited from a previous gift officer's portfolio versus somebody who's brand new to file you're the very first introduction in the office of development so we have language samples that we circulate we have a, a training manual I, or did you inherit that the team has had almost i mean i, I i'm making a, a hand gesture in terms of a, a book that has been passed down from generations so i will say i did not initiate that that is something that the the leadership giving team which used to be the annual giving team had a work, had a running document that they have, that, that everyone who comes through leadership giving has touched it in some way. So it is absolutely a living document, a living training document for our new gift officers coming on. Um, and not only gift officers, for our coordinators, for our gift processing team, for, admin, for our admins, this document has an index. It's, it's an operation uh, to edit but the hope is to actually provide as much information in writing. So then it's always there as a reference, but then we really want our gift officers to get out there and listen and shadow and observe rather than just throwing a new gift officer into the deep end, but having all of those materials as a reference to say, we know that you're not here being the very first one. And 
as we were talking earlier about being a pipeline program for donors, I do very much see at least Memorial Sloan Kettering, the leadership giving team as also a, a talent pipeline to say that there are individuals who start their careers here that I am self-aware, not everyone is going to stay a leadership giving officer or senior gift officer for the duration of their career. I hope that we can give individuals and give our professionals enough opportunity to feel satisfied, to grow, to stay in this role and to stay on this team for as long as possible. There are obvious benefits for when someone stays in their role for a longer amount of time. And yet, if we can train newer professionals to be good fundraisers, they'll be in demand mm -hmm. at MSK and everywhere else, not only in the healthcare space, in the hospital space, good talent, uh, which I, I know that you know from your network and all of the other guests who have been here, that good talent in, in a way that I'm proud of is desirable and institutions are competitive about it. And a good fundraiser is, is a hot commodity. I mean, we all know what it, what it takes to be a good fundraiser, forging relationships closing big gifts, closing second big gifts from the same donor, you know, there are those, those obvious things, but for someone who's listening right now and is a manager and has some staff, you know, what are the things that they should be looking for that are signs of talent that they should be fostering or paying attention to as they think about growing their staff? I think a curiosity. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, transactional gifts and my background is in annual giving. So it, this is a, a wonderful place to start. Mm -hmm. Asking for the same gift that that person gave last year is very important. Unless the gift officer is curious about what could be, and, and to use your word, is optimistic about a deeper relationship, a deeper engagement, it can end up fairly flat. And a donor could be loyal year over year and does the same thing and doesn't necessarily learn about projects beyond the scope of their interests. And so part of a gift officer's, I think of it as responsibility, but perhaps opportunity is a better word choice, is to bring in new ideas and bring in new projects and to educate prospective donors about what else is going on and what other needs exist. Right. And to invite the donors <laughs> to learn about it. Exactly. Exactly. And so for managers who are looking to grow their, their teams, grow their talent, or even introduce frontline fundraising to, to team members that perhaps didn't think that they wanted to be a gift officer, are they, is their enthusiasm contagious? Are they motivated? Are they excited? And they want to bring people along. And so I think that energy is a great uh, indicator of a gift officer. I think that there's also a discipline of understanding, well, there's 10 different things we could do, 10 different paths we could take. We could do events, we could do restricted gift, there's an annual gift. And being comfortable juggling all of those possibilities and never knowing which one you're gonna lean on at any given time that there is a lot of gray area that I would say a, a challenge is for, for gift officers who want things to be black and white, 
that's very rare. And so to live in this space of there always could be something different, there always could be something more. How do I keep myself prepared and informed to pivot if necessary? And comfort in that can be taught, but that's also people have to enjoy it. So you can, you can do it, but if you really dread it, that's going to end up being exhausting area expertise that can be taught uh, a little bit easier than some of the fundraising comfort uh, instincts. But I I do think practice helps. You had talked, you know, when we first started talking, you had mentioned, you know, independent thinking and trying different strategies. How do you teach that? That how do you get someone to, to try and find their voice and think their own way about their portfolio? Yeah, that, that is hard. I, I would say that that, I guess, begins even in the interview process. Does a person find that overwhelming or find that exhilarating? Mm-hmm. To uh, I had one manager who talked about have every donor is a ball of yarn or a spool of thread. And you have to continue to find the different dangling pieces until you find the the, the one strand that's going to help you unroll or unravel the tangled I knot, not to talk about our donors as tangled knots, but. Well, we talk I about think, people like onions, so, you right, know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I would say that even in the interview process, which I know jumps us back in terms of before we even get to, to training and onboarding, we do role plays even in interviews. Really? Be- oh yeah, because. I'll prepare, uh, or in in the interview process, we'll provide some background information. I I don't expect candidates to do extensive research without us creating some sort of worksheet or or template. And yet I wanna know, does that candidate do their research enough to speak eloquently about the topic? Isn't shy about making an ask? And if that's gonna be the ultimate goal and the the measurement of success is are you able to close gifts i want to learn that early on if someone delivers that with confidence is nervous doesn't even get to it and i think all of those are are everything can be taught it's just how quickly will a person who's very hesitant to to do those kinds of things embrace the creative thinking not asking too many questions being autonomy autonomous in their work I love that though. I've never thought about the fact that training starts when in the interview. I mean, that's seeing someone in that setting. You're right. Everyone should be able to do, they're not going to get everything exactly right, but they should be able to get to close in an interview. Right. And I in no way expect in an interview, uh, the candidates not to have some nervousness or stumbling over words. This is not information that perhaps is familiar. Mm-hmm. And yet I find that interviews are kind of like donor meetings or donor conversations yeah. and being prepared and acknowledging if you don't know an answer and I'll get back to you and then actually getting back in touch because they were able to do some research. That's you're building a relationship with a future manager or with future colleagues when we have uh, group interviews. I'll share uh, I'll share an anecdote that when I first came to this role, I t- 
took everyone out for coffee individually of, of those who were already on the team. So I was the new manager coming in. And one employee said that she really didn't like asking for gifts, that she was comfortable with renewals and that she was really happy in stewarding, but that she wasn't really interested in, in making an ask. And that is a different management challenge, which I'm sure you could dedicate an entire oh my uh, session, if not multiple sessions uh, to that in terms of managing employees to careers or to roles that suit them better. Mm -hmm. Though for me, it was really important to set expectations early that in no way did I want to encourage this professional to then be in a job that she wasn't going to like or that I was what did, going to- What did you to, say? What do you say to that? I appreciated the honesty. I, I mean, if I, I rather learn that on week one than a few months in mm -hmm. and finding that the portfolio was not really performing or staying very flat. And yet we had to set the expectation that this is, this is the job. So that's a little bit harder when you're a manager coming into a team of individuals who have already been in their role. Right. But the parallel that I find is if we have an opening on the team and we're looking for individuals, I want somebody who knows what this, this is going to be. So they're not completely caught off guard. And I guess the, the manager part, and this I would say is it's not exclusively me. There are many managers on, on the team right now and who have been over the years. We are, we, our got job and our goal is to support these new gift officers, to say, yes, you will go out on your own, but let's give you all the resources. Let's join you on some of these calls or introductory meetings. Let's role play enough until someone's confident in, in that our goal is to help these officers succeed. Uh, I think one other piece that um, our group has shifted away from, and I would say the, the whole development office at MSK, not only leadership giving, is moving away from a dollar target per gift officer. And wow. so that uh, even in the years since I've taken my first job as a fundraiser, that is a, a, a shifted metric that we're not like as a program manager, I have a dollar goal and our gift officers set their own targets for what they think that their portfolio could raise. But we're really moving towards how many asks are you making? Are the asks the right size? Are people saying yes? So do you have a, a fulfillment rate that people are agreeing to the asks that you're putting in front of them? And so in that way, I think that there is a, sh a change in the conversation that we want to help you get there because this is a, a goal that's measured with several components. You can't just get there with one gift that fell out of the sky. Right. And I like it too, because it takes away the, the daunting big number at the, you know, in the middle of the dashboard. And it's really about the steps along the way. So I think that's really great to hear and probably a more progressive approach anyway. I guess it's pretty old school to say, okay, here's your number. Well, I mean, I think one thing that I, I do find energizing about having a team of newer professionals is that the way that fundraising used to be is not the way that it is now. And so 
I'm continually learning that we don't have to do things the way that we used to just because they had been in practice for 20 years, right? It's, it's helpful to have a team who have new ideas and new approaches and they don't necessarily even have as a reference point how did you send a fax of your <laughs> gift agreement? We still have that, and we, we do we can send a fax if necessary. But that the, the industry is changing, the, the field of philanthropy and the whole space is changing. And so we're adjusting and we're changing with it. And the fact that that energizes you is probably why you're in the right place. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I. I must admit that there are a few gray hairs that have popped up uh, <laughs> over the course of the past few years. But I, I do think that that is, it is, re, it, it is fun, it, it's exciting. And as I said earlier, there's a satisfaction in knowing that a relatively new fundraiser in their career is successfully closing these gifts and having meaningful conversations that's wonderful. I remember the first six-figure gift that I closed. Uh, it was a it was a change. It was a confidence change. It was a validation that I made this career choice and I feel good about it and I can do it and I can do it again. And I want to share that with other people. Oh, you're, I'm remembering my first six-figure gift. It's just like the best feeling in the world. <laughs> yeah, you did it. You did it. Helping others get to that point and then also recognizing the partners who can then, a manager saying you did a good job, that's one thing, but then to have colleagues acknowledge it and mm -hmm. then to have program partners. So again, in a hospital space, it's having our physicians or having our clinical care teams talk about the impact. It's not only helping the donors feel good, it's also cementing that the fundraisers, this, this wouldn't have been possible without their hard work, without their perseverance and their creativity and all of those different pieces that resulted in these gifts. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much. I mean, it's so funny. We, I feel like this conversation, anyone could listen to, whether they're in higher ed, healthcare, arts, social services, like you said, I mean, all the things you shared are just very much evergreen. And so I'm excited for people to hear, you know, things that you've done. And I'm especially excited about that binder, but I would love to end with my signature question, which is what do you know for sure? Well, thank you. This one I've been practicing from listening to other guests. <laughs> uh, I think that there is a lot of money out there. So that I know for sure. I know that whether it's in New York, whether it's in the US, whether it's across the world, that philanthropy matters. There's a lot of um need and opportunity. And so it is on us. And that's a collective us to everybody listening, that everyone that we work with, that the money is there. We just have to find the, the willing partners who are as excited as we are to, to do amazing things. Love that. Positivity and optimism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you. I love Stephanie's team's binder. Perhaps in 2022, you'll create your own binder for your team. I'm also intrigued by Stephanie's comment about moving away from a dollar target measuring success. What would that look like for you? I'll be taking a break in January before returning with more episodes and a very exciting season in February. 
Please share this podcast with your networks and follow us on social media at Dev Debrief and on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to the last episode of 2021. Warm wishes for 2022 and the great work I know we will all do. As Stephanie says, what she knows for sure is that there is money out there to be raised. Happy New Year.